Call the Ag Culture Weekly, the RHH Misadventure Moment. Excuse me, I downloaded this review podcast from you last Saturday. So? Well, I can't understand a word. Peggy Man Calamity, huh? Not surprised. All drinking scotch, ain't I? No, I, I mean, it's, it's the accents, full of northern colloquialisms. Yeah, and... yeah, no mountains are either. I suppose that's my fault as well. Here you are, darling, direct through the RSS feed. Well, the language is bad as well. That's your middle-class sensibilities, mate. It's all right on my other podcasts. Relative to the discussion in Ando, isn't it? Be careful. Some review podcasts are unbelievable, full of bad language, excessive drinking and lack of fact-checking, and there's no comeback. Make sure your download carries the Internet Nostalgia Approval Hologram sticker from a verified provider. Got an IP-specific download history, Log, eh? Eh? But you put in the comments last week. Comments no good, mate. There's an edit feature. Not worth the easily doctor's screenshot is captured on. Here you are, darling. The Fox and Mess impediment. Cultural Digest podcasts. Drunken snobbery. Showing this afternoon at Peggy's paralytic picture house. And the wings on this costume. They're absolutely ridiculous. This really suggests why he's so unsuccessful as a character creator. Fucking hell. Yep. Absolutely that. At this point, there hasn't been a single laser in the film. That's all I'm saying. Not one. <laughs> There's no reason for this name. <laughs> He's just going, I know, she's got lasers. <laughs> yeah. Monte Carlo. And you're like, oh, this yeah. is where the budget went. Amazing yeah. work. I, I admire them for that, if nothing else. Exit. Stage left. All right. Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Sunday Matinee Hour. I'm Dr. Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here, basking in buckets of Ben and Jerry produce and Betamax tapes, so that we can peruse what was on at the pictures in days past. Yes, hello you, and thanks for swinging by for this slipshod, salacious scrutiny of small screen cinema, because there's nothing on the telly, so pod producer Ken's been down the video shop to rent out the latest blockbuster. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info and gubbins for the film we're discussing is in the show notes there. Plus, you can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or suggest things that you would like us to take a look at. And before we get distracted from the day job and start meddling in diplomatic affairs in which we are nowhere qualified, experienced, and certainly not recommended to get involved, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Do you remember the soft drink, Quattro? I do. Well, I don't have any of that, because it tasted like arse. So I've opted for Hendrix Luna Gin and Tonic. Boomaloom. There we have it. No fuss, just that. It's got a night-blooming floral essence, don't you know? It's like it's like the gothic rock in your mouth. <laughs> and yourself? I have got a bottle of Hella Pale Ale by the St. Ice Brewery. Nice. Hella Pale Ale. Hella. Oh, I like that. Hella on. <clears throat> hella. There's hell on with a hella. Good. Mm-hmm. Marvellous. Right. Let's crack on, then. As we visit the tried and tested genre of comic book heroes. Long before the almighty mouse got his white gloves on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they delivered a gadget-laden cartoon artist who could roller skate whilst grabbing onto a double-decker bus and singing at the top of his lungs. Impressive? Wait until you see him fly. It looks like shit.
Yes, it's Condor Man. This is the 1981 spy caper wearing the disguise of a superhero flick from Disney's live-action department, directed by Charles Jarrett and written by Mark Sturdivant, inspired by Robert Sheckley's 1965 novel The Game of X. Michael Crawford stars as Woodrow Woody Wilkins, an American comic book writer and artist who's fashioned a winged superhero costume for himself to test out the physics of a character he's working on, Condor Man. His best friend is Harry, played by James Hampton, a CIA admin clerk who gets Woody to deliver a package in Istanbul to a Soviet agent named Natalia, played by Barbara Carrera. The meat is intercepted by more Soviet agents who think that Natalia is going to defect, she is, who have been dispatched by her significant other and underworld crime boss, Krokov, a remarkably straight-faced Oliver Reed. Before we know it, Woody is drawn into a web of international espionage courtesy of his whispered codename, Condor Man, and turns out to be so good at the job that he has the CIA's full backing. Can Condor Man save the world? Can he save the girl? Can he save the taxpayer money by not coming up with ridiculous designs for gadgets which cannot possibly work? We found out. Henry Mancini has outdone himself with this score. He's doing well, I'll give him that. Oh, my goodness me. They released it in 2012, and I cartwheeled. I've been wanting that music for years. Yeah, brilliant. Superb. So did you watch this back in the day? I went to the pictures to see this. Yes, I did. And uh, I loved it. An eight-year-old me loved this. I can't remember if I actually went to see it. I know I wanted to, mm-hmm. and it's exactly the kind of thing that normally I'd have like dragged my grandma along to, God bless her. Uh-huh. But if I did watch it, it made zero impression on me. Okay, all right. Massive I was, I was effectively watching this for the first time for the pod. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. No, it made a lasting effect on me. I'll get to that later. Okay. Certain parts, okay. part, certain parts of it, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, right from the very beginning, the title sequence, a mix of animation, um, quite comedic in tone, set that, a certain tone. That did sort of make me wish that it was going to be an animated film. Yeah, because it's mean. like it's an animated character set against a live-action background, mm-hmm. and it's done quite well. And I'm like. I know that the film isn't going to be this, but I do think this could work. I, I'm yeah. sort of preemptively wishing they'd done that, but anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, the story starts. Michael Crawford, looking absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. Stood on... Is he, He's on the Eiffel Tower, isn't he? Does he jump off the Eiffel Tower? Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. And the wings on this costume... Absolutely ridiculous. Not as ridiculous, however, as my first gripe, which is the CSO sequence. The, f- I mean, some of the tech guys from Superman the movie helped on this. Right. Um, it's awful. There's no colour grading. <laughs> There's. It, you can see. You can see the 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 cables, man. Uh, that no. I can. That I can sort of. Um, despite the fact that again, it's got Disney's name. On the front end, it should be better. Um, I sort of don't mind the CSO. I sort of don't even mind the cables. It, it, it's kind of part of the charm. I wasn't expecting this to be mm. great. Obviously, by the time this comes out, 
demographically it's kind of in reaction to Richard Donner's Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I think when it's come to Condor Man's costume, it's been a definite choice to make him look like an absolute knacker. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a... And, let me tell you, it's some more production faults. When his wing breaks, yeah. he's got his helmet and goggles on. He didn't have them on ten seconds ago. No continuity whatsoever. That, that's and, and no, that's fair enough. Yeah, I'll give you that one. That is inexcusable for yeah. <laughs> for a production of that scale. You're like, come on, mate. At this point, it is clear to see that Disney paid £36 for this film. That said, I am amazed that Woody can lift those wings um, after he has to keep putting his back out with the industrial amounts of background exposition he's expected to carry in the first five minutes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um... The sound dubbing throughout the film was done by the same people as those who do the Calgon adverts. Washing machines with longer with Calgon. <laughs> There's not a fragment of naturality to it. Not one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say that I do admire Crawford's enthusiasm for this role all the way through. Um, it's incredible. He's, he's completely committed to it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that American accent of his... Mm-hmm. Which fair play spends about a third of its time in the UK for tax reasons. Um, it allows him to overact, and the yep. director really shouldn't allow that. Even though this is a Disney flick, but you know what? It feeds into the slapstick, and yeah, it's it fine. Does. It's lovely. It's tight. I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, it does. But that enthusiasm that you talk about, right, transpires to me. We all have a friend who will take things too far, right? So that enthusiasm bleeds into his personality. I think, generally speaking, I am that friend. No. Apart no, from you, when it comes to me, in which case you are that friend. But we yes. are certainly both that friend. We are both that, but not to this level. Right. Right? Because, right? Although, now now you say that, you know, I'm thinking about this. Okay, when he's, put, when he's sent on a mission... Yeah. You'll need a disguise, and he oh, stood I mean, yeah, there. This is this is the first um, sort of suspension of disbelief when a guy who works as a filing clerk for the CIA just says to his mate, "By the way, can you travel to Istanbul and give someone an envelope?" And you're like, "This sounds like it should be more delicate than your. Is this is this above board? Do people know that I'm doing this? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just it, it, all you got to do is travel to wait." In fucking Europe and just give someone an envelope. By the way, you might get killed. And you'll need a disguise. In a Mac and a hat. Standing there, giving it the whole Humphrey Bogart reference. I didn't Stupid. mind that. I, I, I see, I didn't mind that. That was fine. Because, <laughs> again, it's overplayed deliberately. It knows exactly what it's doing. That's fine. Oh, it, it's it's deliberately, but it's... It, it, I just... If I met Woody, I, would, I wanted to punch the character for doing that, thinking... <laughs> Are you for real? You're just you're just stupid. Anyway, yeah. The we we we're on the train, but whatever. We get to the Turkish meeting point, the little Turkish little restaurant thing. Yeah, they're in. Yeah. It reminded me of the Phoenix Brasserie in Newcastle upon Tyne in the 1970s. <laughs> Absolutely did. That's exactly what it looked like. I'm telling you now. Yeah. What do you mean, full of KGB assassins? <laughs> For all I knew, <laughs> you know, uh, their recipe for um, the batter in their fish and chips was pretty secret. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
But this, we see in this scene, uh, is his Frank Spencer training paying off. And again, I thought this worked fairly well. Once it, yeah, when, yeah, it, once it gets going, yeah. the pace is cracking. It does not hang Agreed. about, and it does not dip. It's, bump. we're in. This is going to be your film now. We've explained everything that's going to be going on. Now what's going on, and that's just it. Full steam yeah. ahead. And, yeah, I admire that. When the knife is thrown and it sticks in the briefcase, mm-hmm. was it was it just me who wanted to say, ooh, Betty, in reaction to that? <laughs> Probably did for the first five times, but they cut that out. I, I bet that happened. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's on a cutting room floor. Yeah. I wanted to see um, it in the American accent, though. Right. That'd be interesting. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Fair enough. So he's met Natalia in this Turkish restaurant. This is the person he's got to meet. Yes. Hand the envelope to. Um, and their meeting is cut short by this this fight that develops. Um, she they separate and she goes home. Yep. And she walks in to find Oliver Reed in a house. Yes. Obviously the drinks cabinet's empty. Um, <laughs> but now again, it's got to be said. Hmm. Oliver Reed is playing this entirely straight. I don't think he knows he's meant to be in a light-hearted caper type film. Oh, he's going for it, man. He thinks he he's is. in The Godfather. And again, I'm like. That's fine. It's working. Carry on, mate. It, you know you can't give Oliver Reed any fucking direction anyway. He's gonna carry on. He's gonna do what he wants. But yeah, yeah I'm like, yeah, it's okay. This is working. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Uh, cut back to Woody, who can't get Natalia out of his mind. Yeah, he's obsessed. And with decides, her, yeah, and he decides to create a comic book character based on her. Um, <sighs> and and obviously he'd been up for three nights solid without any sleep to come up with the name Laser Lady. Um, mind, Laser Lady. Uh-huh. Lays it. Yeah, when, yep. he's, when he's first come up with Condor Man, you're yep. like, well, Batman isn't a new character by this point. Mm-hmm. This, this is showing a lack of imagination. You're a decent artist, but you need a bit of direction here. By the time he comes up with Laser Lady, mm-hmm. this really suggests why he's so unsuccessful as a character creator. Fucking hell. Yep. Absolutely that. At this point, there hasn't been a single laser in the film. That's all I'm saying. Not one. There's no reason for this name. He's just gone, I know, she's got lasers. <laughs> yeah. He's sent back out there on another little mission. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Harry comes in. He's like, you did that quite well. We want to send you out on another one. And again, at no point does Woody go, have you cleared this with anyone? Are you? Uh, You're yeah. meant to be just fucking working out with the mailroom. What the fuck are you doing, Harry? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. And we go across to Yugoslavia. We do. There's a there's a lovely scene of this of this village. Uh, they set the scene, and we get to meet a few more of our antagonists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Prokhnoviach, scary bunch of fellas. They're approaching a village. There's a there's some beautiful establishing shots of the villagers, who are stood there in silence, in fear, yeah, of yeah. what could be be happening. When the camera pans across, there's a close up of one woman. That looks like John Pertwee wearing nineteen seventies National Health Spectacles. <laughs> Spin it back and have a look. I tell you, you need to have a look at that. John Pertwee in a frock and gaps. Mint. Yep, absolutely that. But also, this scene reminded me uh, of the episode of Return of the Saint called "The Village That Sold Its Soul." Right. Yeah. So, listener, look out for that episode. So, is this the bit where? Condor Man, he's in like his um, in what I can only describe as a Sherlock Holmes disguise. It's like this sort of like wobbly old man. And yeah, the disguise so- is working quite well. 
but he's got a walking stick, which is also a machine gun. This is beautiful. And I'm like, right, best one in the world. Mm-hmm. How can that walking stick hold about the 60 or 70 rounds of ammo that you're letting out? How is that working? Has anyone thought Absolutely. of this? No, they haven't. Absol- they have nope. not thought. Did you design this, Woody? I think you did, didn't you? Yes. If I'm going to go on a secret mission, I want a walking stick that fires 100 bullets. And they're like, yes, yes, Woodrow, yes. The, uh-huh. the only reason they say I throw the money at it is because no one else is stupid enough to go out there. Right, right. Yeah. He can't, when he fires the, the, the stick or gun... Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's going he, everywhere. It's going everywhere. Uh-huh. He, he can't, can't control it at he's all. Never, he's never fired a gun before. Never mind a special one that's like a stick. Yeah. But the best is yet to come. In terms of gadgets, anyway, um, they they have a little skirmish with um, with members of uh, Oliver Reed's gang, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, and they make their escape in what can already be described as a, some rickety traditional peasants' caravan, if you like, um, and off it goes. This rickety thing on four wheels. Well, yeah, it's like a. It's kind of like a, a transit van. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a transit van from a... a, a it's it's motorised. It's not like a, a literal horse-drawn caravan, but yeah. Yeah, um, very ornate um, yeah, yeah. At, from, at the back. But um, yeah, so off they go, and the Prognoviach are in pursuit. Yeah, they're basically in this like fleet of blacked-out post-935s, and I'm like, get in. It's like the Autobots have turned evil. This is amazing. They are beautiful cars. Yeah, and five of them together like that is a, a bit of a presence. <laughs> anyway, they're in pursuit of uh, our heroes. Oh, now this is this is one of the moments that has stuck with me my entire life. So it's no problem for Condor Man. Woody just flicks a switch. Which can I just point out? The control panel that he uses is that from Big Track? <laughs> I think it is. Yes, it's from Big Track, and it's been CSO'd into the shot. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it has. Now I love this. I whole. I love the whole idea of this. So the driving seats in the the truck go down. They descend into. Yeah. Explain this to me. Yes. They descend into a car, and the entire time this is happening, nobody's steering the truck around these True. winding yes. roads. Yep. It's 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 one of these like windy old mountain roads right mm-hmm. out of James Bond. That's you mm-hmm. know that is the the territory we're in here. Absolutely. Um, you've got to steer every 30 seconds, otherwise you're going to be in mid-air. Absolutely fine with that. And yeah, hits the switch. The front seating lowers down. Yep. Beautiful. This. Into the Condor Mobile, this supercar, which it's been it's been that all along with the shell about it. Do you see? That's right. That's right. Um, it doesn't explain the wheelbase of the original van, but let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> um, the Condor Mobile... Is a modified Nova Sterling kit car and looks absolutely beautiful. I didn't quite understand how the seating arrangement lowers down into this, mm-hmm. but later when we get an exterior shot of the Condor Mobile, it's a hard top. So how could they have lowered into that? That's right. That's right. Let's not let's not worry about these things. At least James Bond used to get a scene where, like Q, explained how all of the shit worked first. True. No, they don't need to mess about with that. It's Disney. Okay. Um, what I w- what I was enjoying as well is we got a bit of an homage um, as the Condor Mobile leaves the outer shell. 
mm-hmm. and and thrusts forward. It's the sound effect used for the Batmobile in 1966 TV show. Nice. Was that was that deliberate, or was that like a public domain sound that they just sort of used for uh, now? I imagine it would be a public domain sound. Um, right. But yeah. Now mind, I'm not a car man at all. Mm-hmm. But even I was wincing watching the the chief henchman Morovich when he starts off-roading that Porsche it's rattling like a metal bin being kicked down a hill and I'm like can you not treat the car like this please it's- yeah I know right yeah <laughs> it's painful no, I know. Watch, right? <laughs> just just seeing the cars be destroyed was just oh it's pulling just, the heartstrings oh for the love of god it, I, I don't mind if they just get like hit with a missile and blow up Mm. It's it's the suspension I'm thinking about. Well, there's, there's that as well. <laughs> I have to say, throughout this entire car chase, eight-year-old me was clapping in that cinema. I was absolutely loving this. I thought yeah, it was. Yeah. I did think it was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, the Condor Mobile, of course, is armed with all kinds of weapons. But mind to activate them. What a clout on! <laughs> Safety first, mate. It's fine. It would be faster to pull out the programme of the week from an issue of your Sinclair magazine and type eight pages of basic coding. <laughs> My God. Well, you know how long it takes to programme a big track? That's what this is. There they are. Well, you're right. You like it, right. And, and let's not forget the ramp. Now the ramp. Mm-hmm. Ah, what a stroke of genius. Oncoming car towards the condo mobile. Yep. No way to, to move, to divert. Why do you need to bother? When a sheet of metal comes in front of the windscreen and a sheet of metal drops in front of the car and the oncoming car simply glides over the top. Brilliant. Yep. I mean, I dread to think what their liability insurance is like, but yes, it, it works really well. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful stuff. Uh, I'm, so I'm amazed someone hasn't tried to recreate that. I know people have tried to recreate the kit car going into the flag juggernaut. Right. Truck. I know people have tried it, but I'm amazed no one's done this, but they are. Um, and then, of course, the, cha- the chase goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And the, the conclusion, leading to an aquatic uh, conclusion. Yeah. Once once again, an homage to Bond, I, th- I would suggest, in uh, Spy Who Loved Me. But, yeah, the car's hurtling along the pier, activates the hovercraft uh, cushion that goes around the car. It flies off the edge. Of the well, it's a wharf, really, not a pier, and then into the water, and he's away. Yep, beautifully done. Beautifully done. I love that Barbara Carrera made this what is effectively a silly spy flick in uh, sort of '81, and then went on to do Never Say Never Again in '83. Uh huh. Beautiful work. Love it. Barbara Carrera described at the time as the most beautiful woman that Disney had ever put in their films. Yeah, I think they were a bit. Um, I think there were. I think no. I think there was. I think they were a bit sort of cautious about quite how racy she was. I think yeah. racy was their words. Next, we're off to Italy. I'll tell you something. Mind, it's filmed all over the gaff. This movie it, it enough is, yes. to make Judith Chalmers green with envy, <laughs> without a doubt. But anyway, um, they get arrested in Italy, and do you know what? I still don't know why they're asleep in a shit house. They're not bothering anybody. <laughs> Have they not been like put up to that? Have the, have the old bill not been put up to that by uh, Oliver Reed? I kind of figured possible. it was like a yeah. Because when the police, the the policeman that's got them, he does show mm. them their photo on the front of one of the local newspapers. I don't know why yeah. their photo would be there. No, it's it's clearly like you know 
the Birdly Advertiser. <laughs> There's yeah. no reason for them to be like reported in this, but they're there. So they're like, oh, well, I, I recognise these people in this barn that I just happened to be walking past. I'm going to arrest them. So they're in the slammer. Uh-huh. However, help is at hand. Harry himself turns up in a disguise that unnerves me. <laughs> I'm glad he turns up because I was starting to think that the film had actually forgotten he existed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty, yeah, you're right, pretty much. That disguise is Hair Flick meets Wilf Lunn. <laughs> it's, uh, it's scary. <gasps> anyway. He, anyway, he, he breaks them free. That's, that's, that's and... James Hampton you're talking about. It is, yeah, you're right. The Poundland Ned Beatty out of the Red Hound Gang. Uh, that's right, yes. I did think it was one and the same. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, he manages to get them out of the clink. And... Oh, Sadly, we're thrust into fast territory. The three of them are cuffed together and they're running through the streets. Stupid. I haven't had any patience with this. Again, that's your tolerance level with fast, so I didn't mind it. I'm like, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's fine. You would definitely think of a thing to like cut those chains between the cuffs before you left the building, but they need to get out first and foremost. Fine, carry on. Off ha- you go. Harry had the key. They had time. Okay. They had time. Well, yeah, yeah, they- true. And I'm thinking, Harry Mann, instead of worrying about your Black Mac. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, over at Evil Headquarters, Krakow is on to Woody. He is, he is. He's, he's sitting there with a pile of comics, and he's like, I, I know everything he's going to do. Why? Because he's written it all in comics in the past. And you're like, this does feel like a flaw uh-huh. in the plan of a man who's demonstrated he has zero imagination. Zero imagination, and being the eternal narcissist that he is. Yes. (laughs) He manages to utilise the narratives from his own comic books and they form his entire plan. The stupid bastard. Bear in mind how long comics take to produce. You know, they spend literally months in pre-production. He's written this shit years ago. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's just been dying to to have it realised. Oliver Reed is, uh, is dancing to his merry tune. Well, yeah, there is that as well. He's walked right into it, yes. Suppose he has. Suppose Again, he has. what I like with this bit, where you see Oliver Reed being like properly sort of glowering, sitting there, mm. like looking at these comics as if, you know, as if they're just smeared with shit. Um, the only actual comedy in this film is coming from Crawford, Hampton, and to a lesser degree, Carrera. Yeah, While it's yeah, light hearted, it's not particularly kiddified, this, considering it's mm. Disney. It's. It's just a spy movie. And actually, I'm pleased you mentioned kids there, because at the next stage of their escape plan, we're in the Alps, and it seems to me like the kids who live in the Alpine region ha- also have a superpower, because they can recognise a person in the flesh from a really dodgy comic illustration. That looks absolutely nothing like them, yes. yes, At all. Yes. <laughs> Again, they're holding up a comic, and they're going, your laser lady, offer this, and you're like... How much time has elapsed between the start of the film and now? Yep. Comics are generally two to three months to put out, mate. It's, you know. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> that illustration looked more like Gwen Taylor from Duty Free. <laughs> That's not Barbara Carrera. You mean Michael, Michael Crawford's walk round and they're like, you're not Keith Barron, what are you doing here? <laughs> right, yeah. But yes, anyway, in the Alps, only someone dressed like Woody in cherry dungarees, mind... 
could get excited by the Skyrockets gadgets. This bit here, d- despite mm. what I said earlier about the pace being like constant, it does fall a bit flat after everything that's come before. Yeah, it does. They get on this uh, kind of like a, a ski lift cable, and they've got this like this little sort of gadget thing and a pull that hooks onto it, and you're like, oh, here we go. They're, they're going to be like hairing along. No, they just sort of start running along at about 15 miles an hour. If that. There's no and chase, the there's way, no speed. It's just, this is just, this bit is an excuse for the film crew to go to the Swiss Alps for a week. It is. It, it absolutely is. And he, he obtains the skyrockets because they've been left there for him. Is this right. entire defection being sponsored by Amazon? Because there's so. packages left everywhere for him. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good God. <sighs> Anyway, he takes 45 minutes to get from one end of the mountain to the other. Yep. Except he doesn't, because he, he they get shot and um, fall off into the snow. Krakow finally gets his hands on Natalia, so uh-huh. it's up to Woody, or Condor Man, to save the day. That's right, that's right. And where they're going to do this? Monte Carlo. And you're like, oh, yeah. this is where the budget went. Amazing yep. work. I, I yep. admire them for that, if nothing else. Yep. Woody infiltrates... Krakow's gaff, mm-hmm. dressed as a sheik. Yes. I'm not going to say any more on this. <laughs> All I'm going to say is, it's a shame that the uh, the prosthetic nose that they could afford in the budget wasn't the same colour as Michael Crawford. Anyway, part of Woody's plan is to set bombs all over Krakow's gaff. Mm-hmm. So when the bomb goes off, Boom! That's the distraction needed to whisk Natalia away, and they do. James Hampton in a Rolls Royce. This Mm. is a plan coming from a comic book writer. Yep. He's spoken to someone at the CIA, and he's gone, right, so, and he bombs, and they're just sitting there going, fucking bombs now? Are you, what, are you mental? Yeah, Yeah, yes, I I, I need bombs. I'm I'm going to solve the case and be the secret agent, and they're like, you're going to get killed, is what it is. It's... Uh (laughs) You're going to get killed. There's going to be a massive international incident through yes. you. <laughs> huh? Yes, as as the bobs are going off, somebody seems to be watching Star Trek, the original series, with the volume turned on 10 because the red alert <laughs> sound effect is being used. So we've got one from Batman and one from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got they've got a vinyl album with 60s TV sound effects, haven't they? That's fine. I'm there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The escape. Um, so Condor Man and Natalia go to the to not even the top of the building. They go to a balcony that, by my reckoning, is about six foot off the ground. <laughs> and they jump off this because he reve- he takes off the shakes disguise and he reveals his costume with them sackless wings again. Yes, yes, we finally get to see the Condor Man outfit again. This is on the poster. This is what uh-huh. the audience have come to see. Fair play to them. They put it at the top of the film, and you mm. spent the rest of the movie going, well, it's fine watching an old man walking around with a walking stick that's also a fucking assault rifle. Where, when are we going to see the wings, mind? I thought I was yep. coming to see a superhero. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we get to see the Condor Man again, and he leaps off, and he flies, and, yeah, it's it, it, it it's crap, isn't it? it would, I, would I fuck escape <laughs> with that? It's Now, it's deliberately tongue-in-cheek, crap right but it's also actually crap now yeah. to be fair i'd expected more of the film to be like this so i'm glad it wasn't mm. um when you see him it's the fact that it's not like a hang glider 
listener. Isn't it? It's not like he sort of leaps off and swoops and uses thermals. He actually flaps his arms. Yep. So the entire flying feels so slow that I can't believe he's actually staying in the air, especially with fucking Natalia on his back. Yep. Absolutely. That's not how aeronautics work. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe if he had a jetpack. <sighs> Even that would have been better. If you can get skyrockets and bombs, <laughs> surely you can get a jetpack. Anyway, um, yeah, so we get... But I have to say, the long shots of Woody and Natalia flying, not so bad. Yeah. Um, the close-ups, which are clearly CSO, studio-based, um, if you can get past the orange... Yes. Uh, you can understand what's going on, but never mind. Um, they make their escape, and now it's time to get nautical, quite frankly. I love that in this bit, all three of them, Woody, uh-huh. Natalia, uh, and Harry, they all put on life jackets before they get they into do. the condo board. They do, very responsible. And I love this, given the two of the three have just spent ten minutes with no safety equipment soaring through the air in a contraption which wouldn't yeah. stay airborne in a tornado. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beautiful. S- suddenly, they're worried about falling in the water. Well, there yeah, we so, go. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, mind you, yeah. First of all, the condo boat is sex. <laughs> I want that. Right. And then what follows is just absolutely a chase, a speedboat chase with lasers. This is what we want. Come it, on. It is, this is literally where, again, this is where the money's gone. A speedboat chase with laser rifles and rocket launchers off the coast of Monaco. Yep. And you just yep. know that this entire endeavour has been a combination of of a tax dodge and an extended holiday for the crew and fair fucking yeah, yeah. play to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, I'd sign my name on for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But it makes, it is cracking. Again, I do remember seeing this very chase in the cinema and being captivated by it. And it's, you know what? It's a decent length as well. We, I don't feel cheated on this. We yeah, get yeah. value for money in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Superb. Which, but sadly... It, mar- it marks the end of the film. Yeah, all of this culminates with our heroes being chased one-on-one by uh, Krokov and Morovich in the last black speedboat. The rest of them have been destroyed. Krokov, Oliver Reed, he jumps overboard at the last minute um, because Reed's contract won't allow his character to go out like a punk, plus, you know, sequel opportunities, while Morovich drives the boat into a cliff face uh, because our hero is armed with a fuck-off laser cannon, but he can't be seen to actively kill off any characters who've been named in the script. So, mm. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Like, that's it, yeah. So, um, as the speedboat is lifted out of the water via a Chinook helicopter... Yes, I'm not making this up. Yep. Uh, um, <laughs> Which was, like, presumably what? Waiting over the horizon until the explosion started? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't expect uh, it to be like a documentary, but I am going to do this. That's fine. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. So, um, yes, Natalia becomes an American citizen, I guess. Um, this is celebrated by the fact that there's a massive blimp in the air, which says, welcome ho- welcome to the USA in Italia or something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it finishes with them watching a baseball game, which is obviously the most American thing you can do. Um, and yet the blimp says, welcome home, Natalia, and you're like, that means literally nothing to the hundreds of thousands of people in that arena, but I'm glad that you do. You happen to have looked up at the exact right moment, because for the rest of it, it was just advertising something. That's fine, you know. But, yeah, 
happy, smiley, end of film, boom. Well, almost end of film. We're left with a potential teaser as Harry um, receives news from the CIA that there's there's another case. There's only one man for the job. Harry? Yeah, Yeah, because the CIA haven't already spunked their entire budget for fucking five (laughs) years just on getting one woman into America. And Harry whispers into Woody's ear. Have you ever thought of taking Condor Man to... And then covers his mouth as he whispers in his ear. I thought the end of that sentence was... The nearest arse and shoving it up hard, because I'm not doing this again. (laughs) Genuine question, though. Mm -hmm. Where's the sequel? Why didn't this happen? Right! Yes! This is the question on everybody's lips. I think in an age of straight-to-video, at that point VHS wasn't quite big enough for this to have worked, I think in Mm. an age of straight-to-video we'd have got a very dialed-down sequel with someone else's Condor Man. Mm -hmm. Whether it was like Woody or, you know, Woody's brother picks up the reins, da-da-da-da-da-da. Back then, it was cinema robust, and yeah, alas, it never happened. But I don't think it's given too much away at this point to say I'd have been up for that. Back then, I am amazed that either Filmation or Hanna-Barbera didn't grab this with both hands and plough a series out of it. You're damn right. I'm amazed. But anyway, it didn't happen, so there we are. So, pegs. How many pegs are you going to clip onto Condor Man's wings? Well, I think the film knows what it wants to be but it doesn't seem as all sure of how it's going to achieve that. It's more of a box-ticking daydream wish-fulfillment exercise than a proper screenplay. Um, and I think Condor Man is Disney playing in someone else's sandbox. But it's having a great time right until the very last second, and that sense of fun is pretty infectious. Six out of nine. Nice, nice. That's fair, that's fair comments, that's fair comments. Yeah. What about you, sir? Shoddily made, mediocre cast... And it doesn't hold up today at all. But eight-year-old me says eight pegs. And so does me now. I was enchanted by this film for years to come. And do you know what? A love like that never dies. Testify. But the question on everybody's lips in Monaco is... It is, yes, yes. They're, They're stopping their gambling and they're asking this. They really are. How many wing flaps, having leapt from a balcony, would it take you to get up the mountain? Well, I can do a step for each of those brine nylon wings. Condor Man has got Michael Crawford's in it, the star of Some Mothers Do Have Them, three episodes of which starred Glyn Edwards, who knocked on the door of Paradise Lodge on two occasions in You're Only Young Twice with... Peggy Mounts! What do you know about it? Lovely. Lovely. How about your ruddy self? I can leap up this mountain in a single bound. Condor Man stars the inimitable Oliver Reeds, who also featured in the film about his own life, Oliver, with... Peggy Mount. 
snow forecast again. I think we all should have seen that one coming. I think we should. I think we should. And that's that. Right. I've just opened a drawer and found my Rail Riders badge that I've been looking for since the last time Girls on Top graced our screens. While I sit here and admire it, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for dropping in. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us peggymountpod at gmail.com or we are at peggymountpod on the Twitter. You can also find us by searching for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. Don't forget to go to peggymountpod.com to check out the show notes and to browse all of our other episodes. In addition to that, if you fancy reading a slightly more straight-laced appraisal of the film, there are some words about it over at worldofblackout.co.uk. It's as simple as that. It really is. We're off to take the tapes back before we get another late fine. So, we'll see you next time on the Peggy Mount Sunday Matinee Hour. Until then... Keep Mountain! The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from Michael Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Peggy Mount Pod.com.